This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Bringing in episode or Elliot to episode 81. Elliot, we were literally, I was just recording for a few minutes just because I wanted to record a little earlier, but Craig probably feels how you look, but you don't, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't look how he feels. Maybe is that how that <laughs> you works? Hung over, you hung over a bit today, Craig. Oh my God. You ever seen oh. the movie Anchorman when they're all sitting around the, the boardroom and they go and, and uh, Fontana goes, Oh boy, I am hungover. <laughs> That's old man river today. Where were you last night, Craig? I was at a, uh, 89th birthday party for nice. uh, someone here in, in town. I went with his uh, grandson and, uh, enjoyed the festivities and, uh, how do you was, get uh, mangled at an 89 year old party? You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, shouldn't that end by seven? Well, it was uh, open bar, so if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, so you took advantage. I understand. That's good. Good for yep. you. He was Rod Farva last night. Open bar, dude. That's my Super Troopers <laughs> reference. Um, we were just talking about the Masters, Tiger or uh, Elliot, about Tiger Woods. And I asked Craig one word to describe Tiger, and he came up with captivating, and we were kind of talking about how every single person on the planet who, when they watch the golf – they kind of tune into tiger more than anybody else, you know, especially this year, seeing that he almost lost his leg, but what's one word that you'd use to describe tiger woods. He's incredible. There's, there's no question about it. He's I'm with you. I, I think that was like, you know, watching him turn around and shoot that one other shot, the opposite way and putting him right near the green. I realized that I could be golfing for a thousand years and I could never do that. His perseverance as a, as a person, as an athlete, as just a, a competitor is like nothing I've ever seen in my life. And well, no, Andrew, like the thing that really stands out to me is that he hit rock bottom publicly. Exactly. Like all, all of his shit was thrown out there for all the world to see. Everybody saw it. And yep. it wasn't just crap. Like, it was bad, bad stuff. It was humiliating for him. It was humiliating for his family. And that's the thing that you, he probably cares about the most, is like him, he can deal with that. But his, his kids probably had to hear stuff. His family had to hear stuff. He was a punchline on every late-night talk show or internet forum or whatever it was at the time. And he crawled out of it. And that is to be admired. Absolutely. It was a long tunnel of uh, crawling out, though. Yeah, but I mean, but he, he there got was there. A, yeah, he got there, but there was a number of years. A That's long, worse than long the tunnel time. that Andy Dufresne had to crawl out of at Shawshank. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. You know, and listen, he's dealt with so many injuries. Like, he's dealt with injuries back years and years ago, 10, 15 years ago, and and, and, you know, to go through what he has in the last year where, you know, broken legs and the whole, I can't just reconstructing everything. I, I felt, I feel, I feel like so many emotions watching him because for me watching golf, 
I have to have Tiger Woods a part of that mm-hmm. in order for me to really be excited. And it's, it's, it's what Tiger has done for the sport for many years that has drawn me in and, and, and millions and millions of others. But watching him just play in it and not play, you know, well to the standard of, of a winner, I would still rather watch him. Than, yep. than the the top players in in the the tournament at the correct, Masters. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was it was hard to watch watching Tiger. I mean, it was it was. I didn't think so. Well, I I, I have when he got on the greens, it was hard to watch because I've never seen a guy three and four putt more more than he did. Why do you say it wasn't hard to watch, Elliot? I'll, I'll give you my reason after. Because I I think that for me it wasn't hard to watch because he shouldn't have been there. Like, if you take a look at what happened in that car accident, you know, first of all, we're, he's lucky he's alive, number one. And number two, that he, he's lucky he's there and basically in one piece. Yeah, they wanted and, to take his leg. Yeah. And so, like, for me to watch him, like, this is all gravy, the, the fact that he's even competing. So, like, if he would have shot 10,000, and actually me and a coworker, we went Habsies on a bet for him to win plus 4,500. Now we didn't come close, but that first day was pretty magical. Uh, like as far as I'm concerned, guys, the fact that he's even out there and we're watching him, like I said, that one shot yesterday where he switched hands and put it on the, or switched sides and put it on the green. I never would have thought we would have gotten a chance to see that again. So I, I take everything he does as this is awesome. And I look at it as this is perseverance. Like this is like, it's sort of what you talked about at the top, Andrew, and I'm sure you guys and Craig, like Craig, you know what? Like, I don't want to make the exact comparison because it's not the same, but when I think of this, I think of Koivu because, you know, you guys probably never thought you'd see Saku again after he was diagnosed. And I looked at everything that he did after that as a bonus. It's like, I don't care. He could have, he could have passed the puck onto Alfredson's stick for an accidental breakaway where Alfredson scores on your net. And I wouldn't have cared. I would have been like, you know what? I can't yeah. believe he's here in the first place. So that's the way I look at it. And it's interesting that you brought that up, Elliot, because I, I think um, it was the 20 year, 20 years, um, just a couple days ago that, that Saku came back from his uh, battle with uh, with cancer. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was just like uh, two or three days ago, or four days ago, that uh, it, it was. Saku came back and played against the Ottawa Senators, and uh, I, I I'll tell you, there's um, there's a few nights in the, in the National Hockey League um, that I'll never forget, and and that being probably number one or number two on my list of all the years I played that, I mean, I, I felt like electricity going through my body. I was just so excited for Saku and so emotional. Like I'm literally, I could have like cried on the bench because there was Absolutely. so much emotion and uh, you know, to go, go through that and, and watch your one, you know, one of your buddies go through that you know, I got to see him at his very worst too. So, um, you know, to, to see what he did coming back from, 
you know, what he looked like throughout the year, like he lost so much weight. Oh, it was unbelievable how thin he was. And, you know, once he kind of got over, over the hump with the, the chemo and stuff and started to build his body back, it's, it's absolutely incredible that he came and played that year. It's amazing. Was that before? Go ahead, Elliot. No, it's amazing. I was just was that before or after you broke his back, throwing him into a toilet? No, you know what? Like that, I was actually going to say, Craig, is he okay with you or is he still? I, I didn't want to say it right after you told that great story, but since Andrew has no, no polite filter, is he talking <laughs> to you or is he still mad? Oh, like, listen, he, you know, the crazy thing about this is I told this story, Elliot, for the first time a couple years back. Um, when Andrew and I were doing our other show down. Yeah, I wrote about it in the blog. He told me he got mad at you. Well, (laughs) the funny thing, here's the, no, he didn't get mad at me. But what happened, Andrew and I were doing our show down at the Key Bank. And the Sabres were playing Minnesota. And in walks one day, Mika Koivu. And Mika was, you know, near the end of his career and, uh, I can't remember what happened. I think Petey yelled over, hey, Mika, or something like that. And he turned and I went over to him and we we started talking about, and he looked at, he looked at me and Andrew and he's like, holy jumping. I, I never even knew that story, but it's all over Finland now. Saku's <laughs> getting bombarded. <laughs> 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 what's amazing two things that are amazing one some small am radio show in buffalo makes it to finland on a story yeah. but then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the brother of the subject didn't even know about the story and it was like it it happened to be playoff changing for the halves yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the younger brother doesn't even know it at the time but um, nobody knew it Nobody knew it. And I, uh, that has to be one of the best kept secrets in hockey history. That's up there. Well, now, now that we're long, long past our, our time that happened a long, long time ago. Um, well, you know, we'll do, we're so stupid. We're such kids. Like that's the thing we're adults, but we're such kids in that, uh, in that environment. It's, uh, we're, we're playing the game of hockey and uh you know we 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 did our best each and every night but god we were we were just so young and immature and uh it's crazy uh, just children so what we'll do is for those that are listening that have never heard the story before after elliot hangs up craig's gonna tell the story again <laughs> in in the best way that he can so that so that it's it's new to a to a newer audience but i just want to say something quickly because we went from Tiger Woods to Saku, and that's a great, it's a great segue into another conversation. But I, I, I just want to finish my point when I said that I, it was hard to watch Tiger because I haven't watched golf. Like Scheffler to me is not, he's not marketable. Okay. Like there's nothing to, like, there's no one really in golf that is as, as captivating as Craig would say, or as marketable as Tiger Woods was or ever will be. But so he is my draw to golf. So to see him limping around, basically playing senior PGA golf at the Masters, it was under the circumstances, of course, I understand that. It was amazing to see him out there. That's what I said at the start. The perseverance of this guy and the mental toughness and the physical toughness 
of, of this man is, is absolutely incredible, but it was just hard to see. It was hard to see this big, strong strapping legend limping around the course. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's not a fall. It's a fall from grace, but it's, it's also the exact opposite. It's, it's kind of, you know, a comeback as well, but it just, it, it was hard to see him like that is all I was saying. That's all I was saying. That's you why know, it's going to be. I understand. I understand. That's why it's going to be so great next year when his game is back. I, I don't know. I don't know if Craig, we're ever going to see it. I, I, I really think don't. so. That's, that's what makes this man superhuman. He, I, he's I hope you're right, but I don't know if we're ever going to see it. I, we just need a couple more years from him. I think that he's probably going to think to himself that, you know, I'm getting older. I've got a few more years to put in a few years of competitive golf, high competitive golf. And I think he's going to do what it takes to, to strengthen and, and get his body right to attack this. I really do. I, I, I hope you're right. I fear you're wrong, but I hope you're right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit of hockey here, but I, I personally just think it's time for Tiger to shut her down. I think he's done enough for the game, but maybe but that's, I think you, I think like the thing is like Andrew, like I, I think this is what we're going to see. I think he wants to compete in certain events that really are meaningful to him for whatever reasons. And as long as he feels he's like, the one thing I think about is like, you guys remember Mike Schmidt, the baseball player. Yes. 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 Okay, so Mike Schmidt retired when he fell in the middle of a season, like a month or two into a season. And he felt, I'm no longer Mike Schmidt. And the Phillies said, like, you know, you're still really good. And he goes, I don't care. I'm no longer Mike Schmidt. And he said, I'm done. I am not going below a certain level. Now, I was kind of admired that about him. And um, I think that Tiger Woods is that kind of person, too. Like we're not going to see him if he's battling to make the cut every week. If he he's going to show up, what fifteen times a year, and he's going to try to win those fifteen events. But I think when we get to a point where he's not that anymore, he's going to walk away. I mean, I'm sure you guys had teammates that retired or quit when you thought they were still pretty good, but but they were like, no, that that's not me. I'm not I'm not dragging my ass around the ice six minutes a game. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I retired when I thought I was still pretty good, but you know what I mean? That's a completely you know, different that, comparison. <laughs> Probably listen, it's interesting because one of the very best players that I ever played with in the national hockey league is still playing the game today. And he's playing in a role that is nothing like it was when he was at his, at his best but he still loves the environment and loves the game. And that's, that's jumbo. That's, that's yes. Joe Thornton. People um, are different. I agree with that. People you know, I think everybody's, everybody's got a different mindset because I think once you leave the game that you've put literally your entire life into, since you were a very young kid and working through the levels and then getting to a, a much more competitive environment and, you know, trainers come into work and figure skating coaches and power skating coaches and the, everything comes into it. And you just go through this long evolution of the game. Once it's done, it's done. You're not going back. So mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of guys that will play right to the very end, right to the very end. I agree. 
That's fair. I, uh, I also have to say, like, I think uh, apropos of that, I think Craig, there's a big Joe Thornton story to be done. Like the true Joe Thornton story. Who is this guy? <laughs> He's are you going to do it, Elliot? I, I would, I, I would love to do it. I feel like you're, you're the guy that, that would and should do it. Mm-hmm. Are you asking Craig for a contact or do you have his contact? No, I can, I can, I'm pretty sure Elliot, you can get <laughs> but, his number. But, but Craig will be contacted for an interview at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm going to be down there uh, um, in uh, in another week and a half. Going to go oh, watch yeah? a few Panthers games. So nice. I get to see him down there. And uh, well, you know, River's nephew is. Uh, I say nephew. Sorry, Riv cousin is Mac Weger. You know this, right, Elliot? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We yeah we've we've cleared that up. So. You know what, Elliot? I mean, it's, it's easy. We follow hockey, obviously. We obviously follow you on on social media and Twitter and everything. I see your hockey night in Canada is on Saturday, but but when you wake up on a Monday morning like this, what's your what's your big hockey story? Like, what's the one thing you're focusing on? Like, instead of us trying to grill you and suck something out of you, just <laughs> just give us something. This what's morning on your mind? is this morning is a little different because um, you know we had to do this a little earlier because I'm flying to Vancouver today. Uh, the Canucks have an annual telethon for uh, their for their charities, including their autism charity, and uh, it's it's it, they do it during a game, and it's tomorrow night and a huge game for them. They're playing against Vegas, so the intermissions are all tied up with it, and uh, so I'm co-hosting it uh, with Randeep Janda, who's uh, one of their commentators out there. So I'm kind of focused on that, um, but um, you know, I think this week. You know, it, it really calms down, Andrew, right now. The, the trade deadline's over. We're focusing on the playoffs. And uh, basically what we're – a lot of what this week is about is, you know, now that the college season's over, these kids are signing, right? And, yeah. like, Toronto's got a kid that they're really trying to get uh, come to come to Toronto. They're, they're, they're going to meet with them this week. I don't know if it's going to happen. but Which the kid that was traded three. to Chicago for Flurry, right? No, originally. No. He like they weren't trading him. Like okay. Chicago asked, they weren't trading him. Matthew okay. Nice, nice, yeah, play, yeah, yeah. He plays in Minnesota. They're gonna meet with him this week. Like for example, um, you know, you guys were going through it with your with your two goalies, uh, and we can talk about them in a second. There's another goalie. Um, he lost the championship game in the final. He didn't lose it. They they got beaten by a better team. Um, but his name is Dryden McKay. He's from uh, he's from uh, Michigan State or uh, Minnesota state. That's the second time I've made this mistake this week. I'm going to get killed Minnesota state. You know, what's, what's going to happen with him. Um, did he win the Hobie? Yes, he did. Yeah. He just won the Hobie Baker, didn't he? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, that's the kind of stuff we're chasing this week. So let's, let's go to the guys, the Buffalo guys. So uh, obviously power, you had that a long time ago. Uh, Credit to you. You told us power is going to play for the Sabres this year, whenever that is. I mean, I don't know if that was, I really did think it was going to be against Toronto too. I always had that game circled. It was going to be April 12th, Buffalo at Toronto. How crazy is that? Eh? That, that he's, he's he, like almost like storybook, you know, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no you know, his, his first paycheck, he's got to drop seven grand in tickets. Absolutely ridiculous. This poor kid. Um, but you have Levi announced, and you had this too last week with us. You said you spoke to Kevin Adams and the conversation between Levi and Adams, 
didn't didn't sound like there was certainty as to what his path was going to be for next year at that moment. He has since uh, decided to go back to college. Portillo, the same thing. Now, Levi and Portillo are in a bit bit of a different situation. Now, now Portillo going back to school doesn't mean he won't sign with the Sabres, but it doesn't mean that he will either. And so what's the timetable on that? Is that August 1st next year? And do you have any insight on this kid and what he might want to do? Okay, there's a couple of things here. Um, first of all, let's just talk about the two cases individually. With Levi, or I wouldn't worry about it if I was the Sabres and, and their fans yet. Um, you know, first of all, he's got two more years of college. And so, and he's getting close to being ready. I mean, some people feel... Uh, like, uh, like there. I'll say this: that kid has a lot of fans. There are a lot of people out there who think this kid's going to be a hell of a goalie. And one of the reasons they like him is he's non-traditional. He doesn't do things the way a lot of other kids would do it. Um, and I, I would look at that as a good thing. He has a certain way he believes in doing things that's not the same as if you, if you look at his career path, he's made a lot of different decisions than a lot of other kids would. And what at the beginning, you're kind of looked at differently, but when you're consistent in doing that, people just begin to say, okay, like that's just the way he is. He looks at things differently. And I've been told that's the way people see him. He's competitive as hell. He he knows how to stop the puck. He's really demanding of himself. He's improving every year. Like even though he's taking a path that not a lot of other people would take, he's doing it in a way that's making him better. And I, and I think people have begun to understand that. He just looks at the world differently than a lot of other kids would, but that's not bad. That's who he is. And it works for him. I, I got to think that like, I just, I, I just don't know. Like Portillo, it, he didn't start last year. Like this is his first real year of starting. Levi's played a lot. He's been a star at, at, at a couple of different levels. He's been in the world juniors. Like I, I would be surprised that he would want to spend four years in, in school and not get ready for the next level, knowing how competitive and not go to the next level, knowing how competitive he is. I don't, the one thing I do think that is a bit of a challenge for Buffalo is that I think Levi felt kind of burned by his Olympic experience. He went with Canada to the Olympics this year. He felt that he was promised a couple of games. He didn't get them. And so I, I just wonder if there's a little bit of, I don't know how I feel about authority on him right now. But I, I just believe in the long term, I, I would be surprised if he didn't sign. Portillo is something a little different. You know, he's only got one more year as opposed to two. I think when you get into that last year, you do have to worry a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what happened this week. but I So this that, is his last year, correct? Yes. Now, I'll tell you why there's confusion. He's only a junior in university. I thought he was a senior. I made a mistake. He's a junior. He's got two more years of school. So a lot of Sabres fans, and I don't think they were the only ones. Someone told me that one of the, the sites that tracks this had the same mistake. Um, they say, oh, okay, because he's only a junior, he's got two more years of college. That's not true. It's the basically what it comes down to is where you're drafted from and when. When Portillo was drafted by the Sabres, it was 2019, and he hadn't played in North America yet. He was drafted out of Sweden. If you're drafted from a country like Sweden, a team has your rights for four years. 
So the Sabres have him until next summer. And I know because the agents are sorry, they're not the agents. You can't call them that. The advisors checked with the Players Association because I asked them, I said, you know, there's this report out there that he's under uh, he's he's Sabres property for two more years. And they went to the Players Association and checked and just to double check. And they were told, no, he's he's one more year. The thing about Portillo that's that's a bit more of a concern is that. And also, um, you know, I don't know what happened in this negotiation, but I could sense that the Sabres were frustrated with it. I, I don't I don't know exactly what occurred, but I just got a sense. And a, and a couple people told me that I think the Sabres were really hoping that he would be in the organization this year. And he's not. So we'll see where this goes. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, you know, n- number one, I think the the kid's in a good business school there and that matters to him. Uh, number two, um, I-, I think that if you look at goaltending around the league, it wouldn't, so- I mean, there's going to be interest. Uh, number three, like I said, I don't know what, what happened in conversations between the advisor and the team, but I just got the sense the Sabres were frustrated. By can you it. can you blame Portillo though for like let, let's take a step back and and anyone listening or even ourselves who want to see this kid with the Sabres take a step back for a second. I'm I'm going to put myself in his shoes for a second. You've already gone the gauntlet. You've only had one year to start, right? So why wouldn't he go back? He's going to be in the minors. So what's better for him going back to Michigan for a year? or going to play and riding the bus in the American league, making 47, five and, you know, like, you know, like playing, you know, riding the iron lung, or you can go back to college legendary school, be be the starter there, be the man, play a couple games a week, maybe win a Hobie Baker. And then the world's your oyster at the end of next year, and, and going back to exactly what you just said, I mean, he looks at Buffalo and he's like, well, you got Levi, Ukapeka Lukanen, you know, they probably want to bring back Craig Anderson. Like, where do I fit? How many years till I'm in the league? Why would I go play in the minors? Like the minors are, minors are great if you're getting a million dollar bonus, but you're not. So it's like the end of the day, it's the best decision for him as a player is going back to school and then you get to kind of reassess and reevaluate everything. Listen, if he leaves and he goes to the minors, then the Sabres own him. If he stays at Michigan, he holds all the cards. That's what this is all about. That's not it, he he wasn't he was not prepared to fork over all his cards. Right now, he's get he he gets to sit back and mm-hmm. and uh, you know the Sabers obviously wanted to to move him on to mm-hmm. the minors. He's twenty two year old guy. He they see a future in him. They want to get him in the organization. They put a you know Portillo's put a wrinkle in their plans because mm-hmm. you know if you're Eric Portillo and you're a you're a senior and you're twenty two years old and you're six foot six two hundred and twenty five pounds and you've been a second year starter and you have another great year, I mean he can go and sign anywhere he wants in the national hockey league mm-hmm. why would why would why would Eric Partillo want to sit there and compete with devin levi i, well, I have a question matter, for you. Well, you know what, I, like I, I, don't, I don't like I, like I don't like that 
answer, Craig. Like, I just don't. Like, you know. Yeah, but you can go to another team in the National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have any goaltending prospects. So, well, you're always going to have goaltending prospects, Craig. Not like these ones. Yeah, you know what? Well, that's probably true. And I, I do think that on some level, that's a factor. I don't have a problem with people using their leverage. Like we do in our life. So why shouldn't hockey players do it? I don't, I don't have yeah. a problem with that. Um, what, you know, I just think, I, I don't always like the, I just don't always like the answer of, I don't want to compete against that guy. Like I just, I, I don't, I, maybe I'm wrong and I'm, but I think you're, no matter where you go in life, Craig, you're going to be competing against somebody. And I'll tell you this. I don't think Levi is worried about that. I think he's very much a, a bring it on. I'll have to beat somebody out kind of guy. So here, here's my question for you, Elliot. If he does go to free agency next year, is he still subject to the entry level contract numbers like ninety five thousand? Yes. So he can't get like a two million dollars signing bonus or something as a free agent, right? He still has to sign an entry level contract where it would be ninety five thousand dollar max signing bonus per yeah, year. There, there. You are under the entry level system uh, until you're older, basically. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Like so if, it's, example, not, it's not like there's financial a, incentive in it. No, if you take a look at these free agents who are signing right now, they still have to sign entry level deals. Okay. I just didn't know if it was because he was, yeah, because he had finished his four years. No, and he was, he was, no, there, there's something in the CBA that, which is the greatest thing that, uh, it's the greatest thing that we put in that CBA. Mm-hmm. I remember when uh, I was in the league and I was, I was my first year in the league and I remember the conversations and I didn't say shit when these conversations were going on. I didn't have a leg to stand on. And then down the road, you become a player rep and you start to kind of understand when you speak on behalf of your teammates and, and make decisions for your team and stuff. But um, I remember when that conversation came up about <laughs> the rookies and they're like, screw them. Like, why are they getting a million dollars a year to go and sit in the minors or seven, eight hundred thousand dollars signing bonuses to sit in the minors for three years? Like, they're like, screw the young guys. All the young guys got hosed completely, which, you know, rightfully so earn your stripes. Right. Absolutely. I, I understand how people feel. I totally understand how they feel. I do. Doug Wilson. Craig's yeah. uh, Craig's guy. He, so he, when did that happen? When when was that finally decided that uh, that they were going to part ways with him? Thursday, I think it was. That was the see. We haven't done a show since Friday, so we've I've just been following games, and I I end up reading about Doug Wilson, and I wonder how heartbroken Craig is over there. How are how heartbroken are you? <laughs> well, listen. I mean, he um, he he's been a great GM for a very very long time. He's put some great great teams together. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't like, I don't like how it all happened in San Jose, to be honest with you, but, um, I understand it. I understand why and, and, and what their thoughts were. And, uh, listen, I mean, I sit back here many, many, many years later, and I'm pretty happy with, uh, with the move to, uh, to come to Buffalo cause I'm still living in Buffalo. So it, uh, it was a good spot. Good. I'm glad. Simple as that. So what's going to happen then? With uh, their GM search. Well, the first thing that I was happy to hear is that um, uh, the first thing I wanted, I, I was happy to hear is that there's a chance Wilson might come back. Like I think his days as a day-to-day GM are over. I don't think that's going to be possible anymore, but I was happy to hear that he is in a position where he could be, um, you know, he could be 
working somewhere. Uh, I, I really like that. Um, we know what his health issues were. I'm beginning to get a better picture, but I, you know, again, he's been very private about it. Uh, the, the good news is like it, like, I just think like the one thing I would say, Craig is he, he asked us to keep private. There were a lot of rumors. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, I don't have a hundred percent understanding. I think I have a better understanding now. I don't have a better hundred percent understanding, but I think the best way to put it, because I don't want to say anything that's incorrect is that we've gone from uncertainty to there's a possibility he could return to the NHL in some capacity. So I think that's probably the best way to put it. I just don't want to say anything that's wrong because yeah. he hasn't said anything. Okay. Right. But like, I think this is going to be a big, big search. I, I really do. I think the, I think the sharks have some definite opinions in mind. I think the number one thing they think they feel is, and Craig, you know this well, is that they've had two general managers in thirty years, which is a credit to them. They've, it, it, but you know, they're, they're, this group has been together a long time. Uh, it was a very small group. Doug Wilson liked to keep his group tight. And there were very people who were very loyal to him, which is a good thing. And I think they just want to look outside and see what else is out there that we're missing or that we're not seeing. Is there something out there that could make us better? Mm -hmm. Get your resume ready, River. Where's San Jose at right now? Uh, If you were to tell me, like, you have a new GM coming into San Jose, what does he say? What is he looking at? And what do you think the direction of that team is going to go? Um, I think, well, the owner has said they're not rebuilding. I think they have a lot of difficult decisions to make. You know, they, they're, they're starting to rebuild their prospects a bit. They've got Eklund, I think, who's a really good player. They're going to keep their best players. They just signed hurdle. They're going to try to keep Meyer, but I think they've got some really tough choices to make. Does that uh, start with uh, a Carlson? I don't know. That's, well, does that Carlson's start with going to be a tough one. You know who I, you know who I wonder about Riv and it's a guy, you know, Vlasic. Yeah. Like what's happened to him, Riv? I would say, and this is just my opinion. He, for many, many, many years was a, just a stay at home. He's, he's an incredible skater. He's yeah. an incredible defender. And I think sometimes, Elliot, when you play in the same environment since you were, you know, Mark Edward Velasic played when he was, what, 18? And mm-hmm. he's been in the same team, the same environment. I sometimes think that you can get complacent. Mm-hmm. And I think complacency in his, in his game um, – is where he's at because if he were to go to another team and be challenged and um, you know, fire up those spidey senses again, I think that he would be um, nervous. And when you're nervous and you're, and you, and you have to perform because you have a a new environment, new teammates to, to, to play for the, the, the organization, I think your level of play can be, can go up. That's just my opinion. Cause I think he's a great defenseman. He's not flashy. He's never been an offensive guy. He's just a great defender, mm-hmm. but I mean, 
he's been there for a very, very long time and he's, he's not getting any younger. Well, I'll tell you like Vlasic people forget he was on that Olympic team that won gold, the best offensive team I've ever seen 2014. He was on the world cup team that won gold. Uh, He was, he was a great player. I wonder if he's going to get bought out. I, I really do. Wow. You know who's not getting bought out is Austin Matthews. No. Is he is he the greatest Leaf of all time? And I'll tell you right now, tomorrow we're going to have Rick Vive on. How about that one? That's great. Yeah, Rick Vive's coming on tomorrow to talk about uh, his his uh, legacy being shattered by this by this guy with a with a mustache. And I, you know, I. You know, there's all these debates going on, Elliot. This will be the last question. We'll let you know, we'll let you go. But um, is he the greatest Leaf? And is he the Hart Trophy winner? You take him off the Leafs, and I, I mean, they're good. They have some good players, but they're, he is by far they're the most valuable player to his team right now. Uh, yes, I, I think he is. The, the only guy this year, I think, like right now, if I'm voting right now, Matthews is my guy. Okay, yeah, I think a lot of people are. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm looking at the list. Um, well, like my I think there's eight people on my list: Matthews, Yossi, McDavid, Crosby, Shesterkin, Goudreau, Kaprizov, Huberto. That's my group. That's my group. Yeah, it's a good and group. I think. But I think I'll say Matthews, Matthews to me, like this is. I think he. I don't think he's the greatest Leaf ever yet, but I think he could be. Who is? Most people like I never. I I was born in 1971. They won their last cup in 1967. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, the greatest Leaf ever is Borisov. That's the guy, because people forget he came over at a time where NHLers wanted to kill him because he was a chicken sweep, and he was one of the best defensemen in the league. And so I was, and he was a great player, but most Leaf fans of a certain vintage will tell you the best Leaf ever is Dave Keon. Like when they did the poll of the, of the hundred years, I think he, he won it. Like, uh, but you know, but that's the thing. Like, I think Matthews will stay in Toronto, will resign if he thinks they can win. If he doesn't think they can win, I think he'll leave. But uh, I think he's a chance to go down as the greatest player ever in franchise history. And I think that's meaningful to him. He scored 50, was it 51 goals in his last 50 games? games. Now, now I'm a stickler for this stuff. I hate rollover stats. Okay. It's like rollover, rollover cell phone minutes are the only thing I'm rolling over. Okay. That mean anything, but to, to ignore that is ignorant. You know, but to praise it is, you know, it's like it's a stretch. So I'm somewhere in between. And I I say to myself, you know, to score that many goals over that many games, it's kind of crazy. It is. Well, especially in like this year, like that's the good thing uh, about about this year, Andrew, is that we are seeing uh, offensive numbers that we haven't seen in a long time. Matthews, the goal total, you know, he's, he's going to become just the third player in, in 26 years to get 60 goals, right. Barring a major slump. Yossi hundred point season for a defenseman. When have we ever seen that? Goudreau is on pace for close to hundred even strength points 
We haven't seen that in, uh, I think, 30 years, um, almost. Uh, Huberto, Huberto this year, he's played 72 games. He's got points in 61 of them. He's got, he's only had 11 games this year where he hasn't gotten a point. You know, the only guy in the cap era who's had 90 assists is Joe Thornton, and he's going to get there. I mean, we are seeing numbers this year that we haven't seen in a long time. And I hope that it's, you know, I, I hope it's a good sign for the future. How about, Mitchie, the, how about Mitchie Marner too with 63 games played and well, he has 90 points. You know, what's interesting about that uh, Riv is that on January 1st, you know where he was in points in the league? I think he was where? 90. I think he was 97. Yeah. Marner's been on a hot, on a hot streak here. Yeah. Wow. Marner's been on a hot streak. I'm uh, I'm just looking at, is this the best you've ever seen the game? That's the last question. And we'll let you know, let you go. I, I, I like, I, I think so. Like just the amount of skill and the amount of scoring, like goal sell, whether we like it or not, goal sell, you know, uh, Andrew, like I was a kid of the eighties. I loved hockey in the eighties. Like Gretzky was getting 90 goals. You had 20, hundred point scorers a year. He had 20, he had 15 guys scoring 50 goals. Uniforms were the best, but also it was, it was, it was tough. Like sometimes I think we miss the meanness. Like I really do, but I will say this year, I don't know why. Like last year was too antiseptic for me, especially in Canada because there were no fans at the games. I think we really lost something with that. Um, But I just feel that this, like, like, as long as the games are a little meaner, I think it would be perfect. Hockey is its best when it's high scoring and mean. And I just love a little more meanness. But I, I think it's a great game. I do. What's, what's the big feature in your 32 thoughts this week? Uh, I'm not finished with that yet. I'm, I'm working on it. There's a story I'm working on. It's a, it's a tougher story that uh, is like just about something a team went through this year. So I'm trying to finish it. All right. Well, I look forward to reading that and uh, safe travels out to Vancouver. It's a great thing you do with the autism. We know how closely it hits home with you. So uh, good stuff and good luck with that. And hope you guys raise a ton of money. All right. The the people out there are very, very, very generous. So uh, like they, they are great fans when it comes to that too. They deserve a lot of credit. Uh, I, have lot, a, guys. I have a very wealthy friend out in Vancouver and I'm going to actually text you his number and you're going to say who you are and then you're yeah. just going to ask for some money and I guarantee he'll send you some. Okay. Well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give him the hotline number. No, no, no. Me. You just text him and say, Hey, this is <laughs> Elliot Friedman. Andrew Peters gave me your number. Would you please donate? And if he doesn't donate, we will absolutely roast him on this show. Okay. <laughs> okay. You can tell yeah, him I yeah. said that too. Okay. Now, thanks for your time on short notice, man. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great week. All right. See yeah, you, Elliot. Safe thanks, travels. Elliot. All right. Thank you to Elliot Friedman. And uh, as promised, my ADD normally kicks in on a daily basis when it comes to the show. I say I'm going to read tweets at the end of the show and then I forget or I just don't or whatever. But the story... The story about Saku Koivu and your incident in the hotel room. I know you're, you're, probably, you're probably tired of telling it, but you got to tell it again. One more time. One more time, and then it's recorded, and you never got to put it out there again. You can say, if you want to hear the Saku it, story. I've already told it this year. 
No, you haven't told it this year. By the way, how was spitting chicklets? You went on spitting chicklets the other day. How was it with the boys? It was good. It was good. Yeah. I think the, the episode will be out um, probably next week. Which and Craig showed up. I mean, you have, there's many different Craigs. Did like story time Craig show up or analyst Craig show up or just kind of like conversation Craig show up where you're just kind of answering shit and uh, a bit, of, a bit of all of it. I told, definitely told some stories. I told the Saku story because they asked me about it. So, Oh, so you, I didn't realize you just told this story the other day. You didn't literally just told it the other day. So if they want to go, um, well, no, I want to hear it. I want to hear it again. I don't give a shit that you just told it on another show. You're going to tell it right now. I'm not going to be able to tell it with any, any sort of passion though. That's the problem. So give the, give the, the gist of the story then. Okay. So where are you? Where, where were you playing? What, what was the point of the season? Is it, what was the series score? And I don't, I can't remember the series score. Um, I think, well, we were in Carolina because we were in the playoffs. We were in the second round of the playoffs. And you, you remember the, the hotels in Carolina where Absolutely. we had the two rooms, like you had the bedrooms, but then you also had like a little lounge area. At the, yeah, at the, you walk the in, you have the couch, the table, yep. the chair, the TV, so, and then you have a hallway with a bathroom in the middle and a closet. There's like the... The, there's like a sink and then a fridge and then you have a door into the actual bedroom. Yes. Yes. All right. So you just named the, the hotel. Oh, I didn't so, name it. I described it. Name the hotel room or describe the hotel room. So anyway, um, Saku and I, we were roommates for many, many years together. We're just like brothers, kids, you know, and um, we went for a pregame uh, skate in the morning, came back to the hotel best part of the day is the, the pregame dinner because you, you have an insane spread. So you just go and yeah, you, you know, you, you, you gorge and, and you, you get the good foods in you. And right after that, Sack and I up, uh, up to the room and it's, it's routine. Like hockey players are so big on routine and understanding of all the little things. Like for an example, in Carolina, Saku would dress in in the room the far room and i would dress in the other room so as we're taking off our our suits and stuff we can actually see each other down the hallway and we're talking to each other so we get everything off we're pretty much both of us are naked okay he's at one end of the hall or one end of the room far room and i'm i'm at the other and instantly we both know what we're thinking. So he starts to sprint down the hall. Is this routine? Is this a routine dump or did you guys just all of a sudden something clicked and then you both had to crunch at the same yeah, time? Yeah, Like I would probably say that I probably would go before him, but he he's, he's antagonistic this guy. So anyway, we both sprint down towards down the hallway. I'm going down one way. He's coming down the other. And he's a little faster than I was. Okay. And he gets inside the doorway of into the bathroom and I body checked him as hard as I could. I blew him up right back into the toilet bowl. Did he leave his feet? He, he very well could have left his, 
feet. Like I smoked them. Okay. And uh, he went flying into the back of the toilet bowl. So he, we obliterated the porcelain bowl that holds all the water. So that thing just is absolutely destroyed. You have water that's pouring. And I mean, pouring out of the bathroom. Okay. And we're both standing there, two guys. Like this is naked. in the second round of the playoffs. Second round of the playoffs. So now there's water. Pouring. Saku's leading all playoff scoring. He was, he, he was, was damn near up there. <laughs> he was up there. But uh, so now we're panicking because there's our, our room is being flooded with water. It is pouring out and we're just like, what the hell do we do? Right. I was not, I'm not a, uh, you know, utility guy. So I didn't know how to turn off the water, nothing. Right. So we ended up phoning our trainer, Graham Rhymeben, and he came upstairs, walked through all the water and turned off the water. And he's looking at both of us. And, and before, before we called Rhymeben, we were arguing in the bathroom, who was going to call Rhymeben, the, the trainer. So finally, Saku goes, starts to walk out of the bathroom and starts to go down the hall towards his, and he's walking in water and he's walking down the hallway and you could not see Saku's butt. You could not see his bare butt because it was covered in blood. His whole, his whole back, it was literally dripping off his butt. Like, I mean, the whole butt was, was blood. The blood was unbelievable. So now I go into the bathroom and get a white towel, smart, and I go and wipe his back to see where he's bleeding from. And he's got a gash out of his back that had to be, you know, two, three inches long. And it was super deep. So now we're panicking. We call Ryan Ben. He comes up, turns off the, turns off the water. And we're now like holding the towel on, you know, his back. And the trainer comes up and says, well, how'd this happen? <laughs> and we concocted uh, a story that we said uh, that Saku was trying to go to the bathroom, but didn't realize he was so far away from the toilet. So he like, once he realized mid, you know, sit that he, flung himself back to get onto the toilet and ended up hitting the thing. And the, and, and our trainer is looking at both of us going back and forth. He's like, yeah, right. <laughs> so they took Saku to the hospital. I had to pack up. And that's not a, that's not a truth. You can tell him because you guys are being absolute idiots and your star player is fucking bleeding from his back really badly. So you have to come up with a story. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. So they take Saku to the hospital. I have to pack up all of his clothes. I have to pack up my clothes because the entire room is flooded with water. So I have to go to another room. So I'm walking in my underwear and all of my clothes, all of Saku's clothes. I'm going back and forth from this flooded room to another room. I didn't sleep a wink. So now you had to be on the bus at four o'clock to go to the rink that night. We all had to be on the bus during the year. You could do whatever you wanted. Okay. You be, I usually did not take the bus. I usually took a cab. I usually went, went early. Okay. 
everybody had to be on the bus. That was the rule for playoffs. Well, we're sitting there waiting. And finally the coach yells out, is everybody here? And we're like, Nope, Saku's uh, not here, but he went to the rink and coach was already not happy with that, but it's Saku Koibu. So, it, you know, he was the captain of our team and uh, you know, that, that slid, but as you remember this, when you go to Carolina, okay, when you get into the dressing room, and you're going to remember this, how it's all set up. So the first room that you walk into down the hall is On the, the medical right. room, okay? Yeah. The second room is, is where guys dressed, and then there's the third room was, was the actual dressing room where we, where we dressed to, to get ready for the game. So all the guys never even thought anything. Saku was laying on the medical bed and all the guys were walking in. They didn't even say anything to Saku because they didn't think anything of it. No one knew about this. So I'm the last guy I walk in, all the guys go into the, the room to, to get undressed. Stop right there. How are you feeling though? Like I'm, I'm not feeling, saying- I'm feeling, um, pretty uneasy. I'm feeling uneasy. I'm feeling, you know, like we did something really wrong and, uh, I was nervous, but I was just hoping that, you know, a couple stitches in the back and everything's going to be fine. Well, I get there and he's telling me, he's like, I can't touch my toes. I cannot move. I cannot move. So he ended up playing, which I, 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 to this day, I still don't know how he played because apparently it was so deep that they had to stitch from the inside all the way up. And um, I don't think he, he played that night, okay, but didn't play the rest of the series. And how did you guys do? We lost all the games after that. Was that the year they went to the finals? Yeah. In 2002? No, they won it that year. That was the year I, they I, won it. So it was they, oh, it was oh five oh six. It it could have been that year. Or it could, I don't know. I think it was that year because they went to the finals in two thousand two as yeah, well. Yeah, because it, it was in second. We played them in the second round of the playoffs. I know that. That's. I think that is in all honesty, and I've heard that story a couple of times. I remember you told me that story when we were playing together. I think that is one of the greatest not greatest, like good, but just most unbelievable stories in hockey because of the magnitude of the players involved. You know what I mean? And the game involved, like the game that they're playing and like, and knowing the hotel and knowing the locker room, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable to visualize what, uh, no, did the coaches ever say anything to you guys about it? I don't think they knew. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I don't think anybody knew. I they thought it was unreal when was they that? kept that on code red. They kept that under wraps because that, that would not have been a good situation at the time. And in, in Montreal, like, listen, I mean, we're talking about it, you know, 25, 26, 27 years later. Right. Um, so we can actually kind of chuckle about it now because it's so far removed, but, uh, well, clearly it was kept so quiet. If Miku Koivu didn't even know about it, no one knew about it. 
Nobody knew about it until I told the story a couple of years ago. <laughs> and now all, all hell broke loose. And eh? now like, everybody knows. Yeah. Wow. And the crazy just, thing is I told that story a couple of years ago, like I said, and then we saw Mika Koivu and then Mika Koivu was like, holy jump. And I never knew that story about you and Saku. It's all over the papers in Finland and everything. And I'm just like, oh my God. But and, and then you told it on the big show. You were on uh, Spin Chicklets the other day, so it'll get another run through the Montreal media. I'm sure with the with the magnitude of people that listen to that show. Yeah, we'll um, get them on. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a call to him. I haven't talked to him in uh, in quite some time, probably about a a year or two. It's been it's been a while. So we we uh, gotta we gotta get him on. Um, but last thing I'll ask you before we we shut this down for the day, but uh, you know, and we'll talk tomorrow. But Owen Power signed the other day. Um, yeah. he's gonna wear number twenty five. Not that that really matters or anything. That's that's <laughs> irrelevant to the point. But he's gonna make his debut, um, in Toronto tomorrow night. And I just, what do we expect from this guy? I mean, give me a little, uh, give me a little pre scout on on you know. I guess how we should manage our expectations as fans or people watching Owen Power going to his first game against the Leafs, who are playing really well and are starting to heat up and try to get primed up for the playoffs. The the Leafs owe the Sabers, by the way. So if yes, you think if you think that the Sabers are going to roll in there and smack the Leafs around, if they do, I will be blown away. But I don't. The Leafs expect- are playing their the best hockey they've played all year. Austin Matthews is on fire. Mitchie Marner is crushing it. Everybody seems to be, you know, moving towards the playoffs there and they're playing exceptionally well. So, you know, do I have to, uh, you know, temper my expectations of that game? You better believe that the Trump Maple Leafs are going to be playing their best hockey. That being said, when you ask the question about Owen Power, what do we expect? You know, the kid's 19 years old. Okay. He's going to be turning 20 soon. He's just coming out of college. He's had an emotional year. He's had an, he, he just lost out in, in the final four. Okay. He's trying to gather his, 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 his belongings and stuff like that. And leaves, leaves, uh, you know, the university of, uh, Michigan, I'm sure there's tons of emotions, excitement, adrenaline, everything is, is wearing him. And, and I really like the idea of allowing him to come. Like, so he, he came to Tampa Bay, practiced with the team a little bit, and uh, just let him get acclimated. Let him get to know the guys in the team, you know, have some fun with them. Let his, his emotional level kind of drop to a, you know, a, a level where he's not burning energy because he's just so excited. Oh, and doing That's all these gonna, interviews. Like I've seen, like he's just, Oh my God. Bombarded, bombarded. And now he's going to go to his hometown. He's from uh, Mississauga, Ontario, which is like Toronto. And uh, he's going to be playing in his first game against the Toronto Maple Leafs in his hometown. I can't imagine how many people are going to be there for that game to watch Owen power play his first game in the national hockey league. But what, what I will say to all of the fan base, just allow this guy just to enjoy his first game, whether it's complete debacle and he's minus three or four, like just allow this guy to, to 
to get uh, used to the league. And and he is going to be a great player. He's a big man. He skates well. He's got exceptional skills. Um, yeah, but you know, that's not what he's thinking. He, you know, th- these guys are competitive. They want to come out and make a splash right away. I mean, if I'm Owen, you think he I'm, wants to make us, I don't think he wants to make a splash. Are you I think kidding Owen me? Powers he wants to have a league. massive game. He what wants is, to what, have what's a massive game then. A uh, massive game. I don't know. What's a massive game for Owen power. I mean, he's not like a, he's not a, like a goal scorer. He's not, you know, he's not going to put up, he's, you know, he's not Oliver Ekman Larson from the point. So, so what, what's his massive game? I don't know. Um, I don't think he thinks, I don't think his game will ever be massive in the sense that, you know, he's going to be producing, you know, 20 goals a year no. or, or putting up, you know, 70 points a year. No, but I could see him. I could see him wanting to play a lot of minutes, uh, yep. min- minimal mistakes, and yes. maybe, maybe a couple, a uh, couple cookie points on the power play. I don't think he'll be on the power play. Okay. Maybe a couple cookie points, period. Just a couple apples, you know, like yep. a little few little yep. uh, twists and turns. Maybe, you know, he's a big man. He's very mobile. And, you yeah. know, if he can, you I know, think make- they're going to protect him too. I think you need to realize that he is a young guy and they need to take the opportunity for these 10 games that remain in the se- uh, season where he's not going to be playing 23 minutes a night. At least that's what I, I would be. I think the Leafs are going to want to get the big boys out against him. Try to expose the kid early. Uh, they do have last change. I mean, if I if I were the Leafs, I mean, trust me, I I don't want to see uh, Owen Power fail, but I certainly don't want if I'm the Leafs to see Owen Power come in and and come out unscathed. I mean, I'm throwing Matthews, Marner, and Bunting at them every single time he's on the ice, every yeah. single time. And it's and I'm not saying that trying to give a strategy away because, like I said, I want to see him fail. But I'm thinking to myself, you have the greatest goal scorer in the league right now. I know Ovi's still here and he scored number seven seventy five last night, but you have currently right now, the hottest goal scorer in the last 20 years in the league since Ovi came in and you're going to want to put him out there and make, make Owen power a little nervous. Won't you think Owen power is first shift. He's on the ice and all of a sudden he sees Matthews and Marner roll over the boards. Forget about bunting. You throw anybody on that wing. They're going to have success, but yeah, bunting too. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, he's, he was drafted number one overall because he has a package that is going to develop into something great. His skating is fantastic for a six foot six defenseman. He, he moves exceptionally well. He's got great skills. He understands how to defend. He, he is not going to be your flash and dash he is going to be more like a Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman is not flashy. He plays a f- very strong brand of defense first hockey, but his skating ability and his size allows him to get up the ice and join the rush with these high-end skilled players in Tampa Bay. And I see Owen Power being very much that. I f- he's going to be a, a strong, a very strong defensive player. Um and he's exactly what this what this team this team needs moving forward but he's just a kid right now that you just got to give him i'm excited to watch him play i think they'll manage his minutes in this first game 
um, see how he's feeling, see how he's looking and, and, and they'll go accordingly. So I'm super excited to see him. Sabres are kind of right in the middle of that gauntlet that we were talking about. They've lost three in a row. They got pounded yesterday, five to nothing from Tampa. They lost four, three to Florida, which, you know, losing four, three to Florida, you can almost chalk that up as a win. And, um, you know, the Carolina game where they had the lead going into the third and they, they let it slip away with some mistakes, but I mean, they let it slip away because they didn't play to win. That's the, that's the thing in the third period. I watched in the third period, they sat back and they, they were hoping that Carolina wouldn't beat them. They just played, uh, you know, defense. They didn't have a killer attack instinct. They just sat back and tried to cover that lead. But when you're playing great teams like Carolina, that's not going to happen. You have to go out and you have to earn your opportunity. You have to earn what you're going to get. And the Sabres, they played exceptionally well in the first, you know, couple. I wouldn't even say exceptionally well, but they they played well in the first couple periods. The third period, they they were flat. They sat back. They didn't have any attack whatsoever. It's almost like they tried to defend the the whole third period and just hope to get out with a win. But it didn't happen. But that's a learning experience. It's happened to. I've been on many teams that have that have been in the same situation. You learn from them. So the Sabres will, will be eliminated from the playoffs for the 11th straight season or not will be, they have been eliminated for the 11th straight season. So I'll say this in the last 11 years of watching the team, I would say tomorrow night is one of the top five most anticipated games uh, for me that I've looked forward to watching in the last 11 years. And I would say Jack Eichel's first game being one, um, I would say, well, I don't know in what order Darlene's first game, uh, some other games in there in between, but the Vegas game for me on March 10th was probably right up there as number one. And I might say tomorrow night is t- number two or number three watching, uh, uh, getting to see Owen power, make his debut for, for the Buffalo Sabres, see what's going on around the league. If Dallas lets this slip away to Vegas riff, they have no one to blame, but themselves. I'll just add that right now. Yep. And that's really all I have for you from around the entire NHL is I just keep watching Dallas and Vegas. It's the only thing I'm watching. Yeah. In and, the standings I'll, anyway. I'll add, uh, I'll add one more thing. You know, it's obviously the, the Owen power thing is, is, is very exciting because you're inserting a player that is going to be a household name for a very long time in this league. Okay. He is he has got the ultimate package as an NHL defenseman, and we are going to be very lucky to have him. That being said, I had a great conversation with Mike Pekka last night. Um, we were out together, talked a lot of hockey, and uh, Mike's loving his time with the Rochester Americans, and he was very very complimentary in Jack Quinn and, and JJ Paterka. He feels that these guys are, are special players, special players. You look in what Jack Quinn has done in, in, in his first year in the American hockey league at the age of 20, 37 points, 25 goals and 50, uh, 54 points, 25 goals in 37 games, 54 points. He's played exceptionally well. Um, 
And JJ Paterka is uh, 24 goals and uh, is 62 points in 62 games. He is going to be a stud. Mike said he's got world class skills. So what I'm trying to get at is you're inserting a, a um, own power, but we still have players that are going to be top end NHL uh, players for, for years to come. And uh, they're, they're, they're close. They're very, very close. All right, man. Well, you're that much closer to going back to bed. So greatly appreciate your dynamic efforts today to make this all possible. 915, 915 show with Elliot pops on 914. Great preparation. Great show as always. Thanks river. You keep telling me I don't have to prepare. So it's almost like, you know, I dropped a bunch of movie quotes at the start of the, at the start of the show, but it's like space balls, you know, it's like prepare ship. It's like, what are you preparing? You're always preparing. Just go, just go with it. That's That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle. And at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.